You are listening to the Conversational Selling Podcast with Nancy Calabrese. Hi, it's Nancy Calabrese, and it's time for Conversational Selling, the podcast where sales leaders and business experts share what's going on in sales and marketing today. And it always starts with the human conversation. Joining us today is Dove Gordon a colleague and CEO of ProfitableRelationships.com. Dove helps professionals use backwards networking to reach their ideal clients consistently. Experienced sales reps know that the best clients come from referrals and relationships, but they are often unpredictable. And Dove helps them understand an under-the-radar leader in their industry. He created JVMM, the Joint Venture Mastermind Community that includes 100 plus leaders of the world of small business, entrepreneurship, consulting, coaching, and more. And I am lucky to be a part of this group. So gang, we've got a lot to cover and so little time. Welcome to the show, Dove. Why don't we just jump right in? Thank you, Nancy. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, I mean, you got me at backwards, all right? Backwards networking. I mean, it sounds intriguing. Tell me more about that. Well, you know, a lot of networking is just you go to an event or online in person and um, just uh, meeting lots of people or, you know, maybe shaking some hands, getting to know somebody a little bit, maybe for a few seconds or a few minutes, and then perhaps following up afterwards. Very superficial. Uh, backwards networking, where essentially is you form the network of either ideal clients or colleagues or recommenders, depending on you know the different times when you want to do one over the other, different situations. And now that enables you, especially for people who are doing relatively high value sales, it enables you to, to flip the script, so to speak. Instead of you kind of reaching out and constantly trying to meet new people and so on. You find yourself as what I call an under-the-radar leader in your industry. And you can become an under-the-radar leader in your industry without having to, like, you don't have to be famous. You don't have to know everybody. You don't have to be known by everybody, rather. You don't have to put yourself out there as a celebrity type. But if you develop or cultivate quality relationships with 20, 50, 100, 150 people, you know, well-placed across your industry, you'll have all the clients that you can ever handle. And if you bring those people together in a single community where they get to know each other and they all know that you're the one who is behind it, then you're leveraging that in ways that is not possible when you just know them all, because then you're creating something truly valuable for everybody. And if you can charge a modest annual fee for that, and in most cases you could, now you're suddenly able to take something that was a cost center, like you're, you know, if if you're a professional and you have a small business, let's say, and you're spending, you know, whatever amount of time a day reaching out to people, following up by email or phone or whatever, having Zoom meetings to get to know them. Um, right. Whatever amount of time you're spending on that, you can turn that into a revenue stream. Now, this this same thing applies from a you know, solo business professional and it applies to larger companies too. So, you know, I'd say that you can reasonably bring in fifty to a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars a year from your own what I call an alchemy network. May not be a big deal for large companies, but the efficiency and quality 
what I call profitable relationships. They can develop at profitablerelationships.com. That's why I call that. And then it just adds leverage to everything you're doing. Okay. So what came to mind as you were describing this, I mean, how do you find the right people to network with? I mean, isn't that, to me, it's like an arduous job, right? How do you qualify them? Well, there's, there's always, um, I mean, there's the principles, right? Principles, you've got to know who you're looking for. And a lot of right. people don't. So a lot of people are looking for, you know, they just, they'll talk to anybody, they'll reach out to anybody. The clearer you are as to who you're looking for, what you're looking for, why you're looking for it, mm-hmm. the easier it's going to be to um, qualify people rapidly. Um, mm-hmm. And that comes from a sense of confidence in what you're offering. If you're feeling pressure, you know, if you're feeling that neediness that, that really undermines all sales, you know, right. I've got to make a sale, I've got to do this, I've got to close another deal, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. or I don't, If that's what's driving you, you're going to have a really hard time doing anything well. You know, I think that entrepreneurship, I think of it as a combination of the artist, the athlete, and the entrepreneur. You know, the artist is looking to create, not to solve a problem per se, but because the artist has some kind of vision of something beautiful that if put into physical form of one one type or another, it could spread an important idea to more people. The athlete is looking to raise their standard all the time. You know, the athletes, right. you know, professional athletes, they, they measure everything, measure right. not just their calories, but you know, what, how many grams of this type of calorie or this type of food or whatever. Um, They're measuring everything, you know, the input and the output. Wait a minute. Um, We all measure calories, athletes or not, right? (laughs) Well, you know what I mean. Um, And and then there's the entrepreneur who's focused on contribution, finding a way of of contributing to the community around you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that that when when we're coming at this from a place of fear, we're not really being, we're not focused on, on contribution of the entrepreneur. We're getting distracted from what really matters, like the athletes focused on. And we're certainly not creating something beautiful just for because we want to, you know, because we're the artist. We're, right. we're neither of those. And it's very hard to do anything really well. Huh. Now, referral-based marketing is the hot topic these days. And, you know, all of the networking I do and certainly within JVM, it's all about referrals. And I know one thing through JVMM is there's a lot of referral marketing amongst the members, right? So in in a process like that, how do you know if their audience is the right audience for you? Well, you know, in JVM, we're talking about colleagues who all market and sell to similar audience. We all market and sell to small business consultant agency owner, entrepreneur, and so on. Yep. Um, you know, some, some SME as well. So we all have similar audiences and we all know that there are more people in my audience will never buy from me for whatever reason, but they're there because they're looking for something, they're looking for somebody. They might be looking for you, Nancy. They might be looking right. for Bob or Jane or whoever. Yep. Um, so it's recognizing that. And then it's, it's uh, realizing that, okay, I can, I can put you in front of thousands of people. You could put me in front of thousands of people and we're doing something in a leveraged way. So, you know, I, I think it's a matter of having a compelling presentation when it comes to the sense of what we're doing. So I don't, I mean, I see it a little bit differently. Am I missing, am I misunderstanding you? No, no. I just <laughs> okay. wanted to get your point of through, 
point of view on that. Um, okay. You know, you know that I'm a big believer in picking up the phone to connect. I also think you have to do other yeah. marketing or have other marketing channels. And so yeah. to the audience that just solely relies on referral marketing, and I know there's a mm-hmm. huge audience that prefers doing it that way. Do you recommend that you should work in tandem with other marketing channels? Well, if you're working through referrals relationships, for sure, I mean, you definitely are going to distinguish, differentiate between colleagues or people who can put you in front of their audiences as well, recommenders or people who can refer you, refer, referral sources, um, right. uh, and you're going to versus the, the ideal client, right? So mm-hmm. in some cases, you'll be looking to reach out directly to your ideal clients and in other cases not. And I mean, many years ago, I did this. I, I was putting together a CEO peer advisory group and I was cold calling CEOs and I got through. Um, I got meetings. I got a group going. Um, there are things I didn't know, like I was not charging enough and I struggled. You know, we had great meetings, but I didn't know how to make it work for me. It was working for them. So after right. a few years, I stopped. But, uh, you know, but there was a lot that I got right back then. So, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with... Um, if you can identify your ideal clients easily by, let's say, job title, like I was, I could identify CEO of a company doing between ten million and one hundred fifty million dollars in sale. I can identify the person. I can get their contact information. Right. It's harder to identify people. Uh, so, like you know, you can reach out to them and and, and connect and, and you know want to talk. Uh, and you know, and over there, you need the right messaging, and, you, and that's key. You need messaging, and you also need sales conversation skills. So right. those are really, you know, I know you're you're very big into that. Sometimes if if they're not as, you know, if it's not as easily identifiable, for example, let's say, how do you know, how do you find a company that's interested in solving X problem, you know, with perhaps Y kind of software? It could be a lot harder to find that out because you can't just pull up a list of them. So you have right. to be a little more strategic, take a step back and you start to wonder, well, typically our clients have these other identifiers, these other qualities that we could identify. Well, how do I find people who fit that profile? And then I could reach out to people individually, or I could, is it possible for me to get in front of larger audiences that contain such people so I can give a public invitation to reach out to me, give them right. a strong reason to reach out to me. And that, of course, gives me leverage of time. Well, that's one approach. Another approach would be to say, well, I know that you know companies of this type and this size or these qualities are likely to be potential buyers in mind, right? So let's say let's say your ideal client will tend to be the um, like a chief information officer, let's say, or somebody, but you don't know, you know, not everybody's looking for what you need all the time, right? And it could be there's right. a cycle. Maybe they only buy once every few years. And now, but they know people like them. And if you can build a relationship with them, even if they never buy from you, they will be able to introduce you to others. So let's say you were right. to form what I call an alchemy network or chief information officers or whoever, then you're building relationships with that, you know, 20, 30, 50, 100 people well-placed across your industry. And then it's about being really smart about those relationships. So you you spend your time, instead of chasing down endless people, you're focused on building solid relationships with at least 50 to 100 people and making it clear to them when, number one, they should reach out to you for your help. Number two, What's a good introduction for you? Right. Okay, number three, you also can get yourself on industry platforms because of the relationships that you build in your alchemy network. 
And, right. and you can even turn that in that community into something that generates some revenue, like you said. And yep. you know, use that to be to to bolster whatever platform you're looking to create, you know. Well, you know, you are a storyteller. I've been told that by many, and I love to share stories on the podcast. So give us a good one. Oh, I think it's important. Uh, one of the things I had to learn years ago is that it's frustrating because we all start at businesses. We all start, you know, career or whatever it is that wherever we are. And we think, okay, what's the one thing I've got to figure out? Like, what's the most important thing? I remember, though, I talked about my CEO pre-advisory group. One of the most fr- frustrating things was driving to the meeting, which we'd have in different companies in different times. So they'd have in different boardrooms. Right. Um, driving to the meeting and starting to get the calls. Oh, I'm so sorry. So-and-so has to cancel. Can't make it. Right? Yeah. I mean, I remember one one um, secretary telling me, he had an unexpected visitor from Singapore. Sicking. We're in Israel. How do you get an unexpected visitor from Singapore? <laughs> so, how does that happen? I, I don't, you know, I don't know how that happens. I still don't know. I mean, right. is that true? But right. all right, another one had to prepare for his board meeting the next day. Okay, I get it. You know, you get backed up. So that was always very frustrating because I spent so much time reaching out, connecting with people. Yeah. Um, and you know, the important thing is that just years later, though, that all those experiences are are really valuable. Right. I still lean on those experiences. I still I still gain so much from all that cold calling that I did in those days for yep. the the sharp messaging that I had to form to be able to get the attention of the gatekeeper, to be able to get the CEO on the phone, and to be able to get them to agree to a meeting. Those are skills that I learned. And I would just encourage everybody to keep in mind not just the you know the frustrating parts, of course, but also the positive. You know, one thing I'll never forget is one one of the CEOs of a fifty million dollar a year flexible packaging manufacturing company. We were being hosted that time at um, in a really large conference room. This time we had at least I think we had sixteen CEOs at that meeting, and he okay. was like right on the opposite end. I was facilitating this, and he's like, "I'm here because of his chutzpah, you know, his, his <laughs> audacity." And he pointed at me. And I I took it as a compliment, and he meant it as a compliment. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, it just stuck with me. Like, yeah, okay, you have to be. I was scared all the time, and you know, yeah. I'm often still scared, right? Uh, probably not the only one, but we have to remember to, you know, realize the progress, and that when we do things that scare us and move forward, yeah, it makes a difference, uh, and and it it often comes and <laughs> comes across to you. You know, the feedback can come in a very unexpected way. So. I just say put one foot in front of the other. I mean, that's the, the most important lesson that I learned. You yep. know, go after what you want, not what you th- don't settle for what you think you can have, but go after what you want with sales and be the artist, be the athlete, be the entrepreneur and step-by-step step create it. Wow. I love that. You know, and finally, because we're going to have to wrap uh, this up, I know that you want to spotlight something. So why don't you talk to us about that? Oh, I mean, I guess you mean my... Uh, my Your manual? manual yeah. Hey, yeah. We, I have a manual called How to Systematically and Consistently Attract First-Rate Clients. And I sold it for $97 for five years. And I'm happy to give that away for free at ProfitableRelationships.com forward slash Nancy uh, in your wow. honor. Wow. So, um, yeah. Guys, really you better like grab that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, look, I'm, I'm not selling it anymore. So it's win-win. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that it's only available. No, but we did put up a special link for your audience at profitablerelationships.com forward slash Nancy. You can go and get it. 
and it's really good. I mean, I get emails from people all the time. Um, hey, I'm going to get it. Cool. I recommend it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And you know what? I just want to thank you, Dove, for sharing your expertise. Um, I really enjoy working alongside you. And I want to thank my audience for listening in. You know, just remember, reach out to Dove when you're ready to do referral marketing because he gets it right. I want everyone to have a fantastic sales day and we will see you next time. Thank you, Nancy. The Conversational Selling Podcast is sponsored by One of a Kind Sales. If you are frustrated that you don't have enough leads or your sales team complains that they just don't have enough time to prospect, we can help. To work with Nancy and her team to help you manage your sales team, install her proven outbound sales process, and create more bottom line results, email her now at nancy at oneofakindsales.com. To learn more about Nancy and her outbound sales secrets, grab your free copy of her book, The Inside Sales Solution, at oneofakindsales.com forward slash book.